Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Friday. It's December the 8th, and it is a friendly Friday. It's a friendly Friday. We're going to bring on a Steve friend. He's been on the road, but he is coming back to us. He's going to join us for today's show. We're going to talk about what's been going on this week. Feels like it's been a very busy week, and I was looking at all the topics. We're going to cover a lot of ground today, folks. Uh, I get this feedback. Um, yes, it's from my mother, but it's feedback nonetheless. And I get this feedback that always says that uh, Friendly Fridays are not my favorite. Most of you guys love Friendly Fridays. She says she doesn't get enough information. It's too much jabbering. Yeah. It's too much cool guy talking. Where did we go, Ryan? We disappeared. What do you mean? I've just got this weird stream coming up. It just looks like there's uh, nothing going out. Oh, I see you. Okay, fair sure. enough. I just got uh, I just got the flashing lights coming at me, which is like the uh, the okay. signal for complete failure. All right, fair enough. So anyway, that's a, that's the take from my mom, and we're gonna just uh, push on because today is gonna be a ton of information. It just went away. That's bizarre. Totally bizarre. We're we're playing with some fun tech issues today, folks. We got a couple of false starts. Let me just tell you, we ran the stream four times. We do this every single day, every weekday. And for whatever reason, it just wouldn't take, and it wouldn't take, and it wouldn't take. And then it took. We don't know why. It's totally bizarre. All right. Uh, let's start with a sponsor. I had my daughter come up here earlier and hand me a piping hot cup of coffee. Luckily, she didn't spill it because she had a spill-proof mug on her Patriot Cooler payload. There it is, the Patriot Cooler. Go to PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Promo code Kyle saves you 10%. If you buy more than 50 bucks, you're going to get free shipping. That's a good deal. Again, Patriot Coolers with the promo code Kyle makes a great holiday gift. We don't really do holiday gifts here, do we? We do Christmas gifts. If you're the white elephant guy and you bring a Patriot Cooler, you're going to be the person that's bringing the gift people want. It's not going to be the white elephant. Uh, also, great cause this time of the year. It's nice to know that you're also sponsoring a company that cares about other people and cares about people like our veterans. $370,000 donated to veteran mobility projects, helping vets who have served this country over there come back and be able to move around better over here, making them wheelchair accessible, making them uh, peg leg accessible. That lady had a really cool kind of peg leg. I actually... I sort of don't hate the idea of it. I, I know it's probably like the most horrific thing in the world to lose a leg, but like the people that I've met that are vets that have one leg and are running around on that bionic leg, some of them are faster than I am. They have a, a lot lighter body and no muscle fatigue. I, I don't know. Steve, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, PatriotCoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, 10% off. Go ahead and, and support them. I got a, a DM on Twitter the other day from one of y'all letting me know that you bought another one as a gift and that you were supporting our sponsors. We do appreciate that. It's a big deal. Let's bring on Steve Friend. Let's bring him on. I can hear him kind of clicking in the background there. There he is uh, hiding in his new studio setup. He's got a suspendables flag. Welcome, Steve. How you doing, buddy? Um, I'm a little bit wounded that cross-eyed mama bear Seraphin doesn't enjoy Friendly Fridays. But if she wants more information, she should definitely tune into the American Radicals podcast. Shameless Every plugs are always welcome. Yes, your first episode of uh, Americans Radical doing solo with a call-in yesterday. It was all content, nonstop content. So, folks, if you missed that, you can check that out at rumble.com slash pod for American Radicals podcast. And here is that host and my buddy Steve Friend to talk a bunch of other stuff. What do you think, man? Uh, has, this been, has this been a busy week or is it just in my head? You know, I coming off of the traveling for a week, I was just – more into I, i'll take a lot of stuff going on as long as i get to sleep in my own bed uh, mm -hmm. that was that was good for me and then my wife actually left midweek out of town so i've been doing daddy daycare which you know you you're there dads are the worst moms but we have all fingers all toes so she'll be at least not having broken children when she comes back tomorrow that's the key all present and accounted for is the goal uh regardless of what other people may think i agree with you dad best dad in the world still not going to be a great mom no matter what doesn't mean that dads can't overlap there but that is not a one-to-one -one venn diagram which i'm sure kamala harris would really love let's get uh rock and rolling on one of our buddies who's been a friendly friday guest let's start talking about a story that steve baker brought to our attention i want to launch right into it uh this was kind of a Kind of a little groundbreaking stuff to read. Uh, we're showing his Twitter feed up here, folks. If you're not following Steve Baker, the con uh, what is it? The Pragmatic Constitutionalist. It says, Thread, this anonymous letter on Capitol Police letterhead was distributed to members of the uh, congressional press pool 
and were circulated by, of course, Jamie Raskin's office to other members of Congress in the evening of May 19th, 2021. But there's a few big problems with it. We're going to read you the letter because obviously you can't see it right there. I've got the letter full screen over here on my side. So it just says two members of Congress from members of the United States Capitol Police. I don't know that you could do this as a federal agency if you could just write to your bosses this way, but they did. Subject, January 6th commission. There's no date on this, by the way. That's always suspect. Maybe they didn't learn how to write uh, business letters. Maybe they didn't go to college the way. Oh, maybe they just didn't go to college because uh, if you're in the Capitol Police, a high school diploma or GED is just fine. Just fine. It says, we the members of the United States Capitol Police, that seems pretty presumptive, write this letter to express our profound disappointment in the recent comments in both chambers, minority leaders expressing no need for a January 6th commission. The brave men and women of the United States Capitol Police were subject to hours and hours of physical trauma, which has led to months of mental anguish. I'm sorry, the, the tone just comes through to me. Uh, if you look around at the Capitol building, you still have doors that are broken. We'll maybe get to fixing them. J-holes. Uh, the windows are smashed, in some cases missing. They missed a comma there. No big deal. Um, officers are forced to go to work with the same daily reminder of what happened on that dreadful day. Nothing like emotional language in a professional business setting. On January 6th, some of the officers served their last day in a Capitol Police uniform, maybe because uh, just doing their job was too much. Being a security guard sometimes could have a little bit of craziness, and not by choice. Ooh, are they talking about the fact that somebody died but not related to January 6th? Okay, uh, we hope that members who took an oath to protect would, at the very minimum, support an investigation to get to the bottom of everyone responsible and hold them 100% accountable no matter the title, the position they're held. It goes on to say uh, a bunch of other emotional stuff. It's unfortunate that our quote-unquote bosses, parenthetically Congress, lest you knew who their bosses were, are not held to the same standard that we, comma, the USCP, missing a comma, are. Okay, so other than it was written by someone who's basically a borderline retard and has maybe like a middle school level of competency when it comes to literacy, Steve, what do you make of this craziness? Can you imagine the FBI agents in the uh, like in any field office sending this up to, I don't know, the president? I can't, and I'm a little bit confused. It says members of the Capitol Police. I have to think that this is just one person who then probably went to a congressional staffer to have them proofread and make sure that the commas were in the right spot or maybe make sure that there were complete sentences and not written in crayon. But yes, I would. Um, so it actually was written. Supposedly, that's what Steve has kind of uncovered in this thread. So, folks, I highly encourage you to go to this thread. But, yeah, one one Capitol Police officer apparently wrote this with significant help from some member of the press was the allegation. Um, apparently not a member of the press that was also an editor since it doesn't look very good. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, like, just I, I'm blown away. One for one. Like, what would be stopping me? So I was in the bureau when we were having the Hillary Clinton server investigation that yes. James Comey stepped in and said she was uh, negligent, but reckless, but or not careless, or however he phrased it, to get her out of jail. Well, what's, what's stopping me from then writing a letter to either Comey or, at that point, the attorney general and saying... I'm very unhappy with this. We need to have a hearing for this, or we need to have a, an investigation for this. I would expect to lose my job if I did that, or if I disagree with what was going on from what my my bosses did to that level, I should just tender my resignation. You think? Okay, so here's the fun thing about it. In my experience, when you are a federal employee, if you have a political grievance, which is exactly what this thing is, it's taking a political and partisan side, then you're responsible for shutting your mouth and doing your job or resigning, like you said. That's what the Hatch Act basically says. You can't get involved in partisan politics. You can't advocate a position that is explicitly partisan, which is what's going on here. They are literally calling out the minority party, which is to say they are making it partisan. It doesn't even need – you could have phrased this in a way that was nonpartisan, but they didn't. So that's very funny to me. But the Hatch Act prohibits all only executive agencies, and I think that highlights the problem with the existence of the Capitol Police – Imagine trying to do the job of a law enforcement officer not accountable to the Article II powers because they're responsible for Article I powers. I don't even know how Capitol Police exists other than as security guards, and shouldn't they probably be an executive agency? If you're supposed to be enforcing the law, that is a directive of being the executive because you're executing the law, but it's a little bit like being an intelligence gathering organization when you're supposed to be law enforcement. It's just completely out of the lane that they're supposed to be in, or they should just acknowledge what they are a security force without arrest authority and they can maybe do some sort of citizen's arrest if somebody is behaving in a way that is violative of, of the law and then they would need to summon the, a federal 
law enforcement agency or Metro police or somebody like that. They, they could and then just acknowledge your security. They could be an arm of the of the DC Metro PD, which would make a lot more sense since it's a physical building in there. And DC actually is a subsidiary of the federal government and they get their funding and stuff from Congress. So that might make some sense. I just don't understand how that, that agency exists. It's always been really dumb to me and uh, it continues to be dumb. And this is one more example you know, we, we talk about them being uh, national mall cops, which is to say that the uh, the Capitol building is part of the national mall complex. If you guys have never been to D.C., this is a, a sort of a concept. They'd be like, oh, you're on the national mall, which is just a big green space. It goes from Lincoln to Congress. Uh, these are the big memorials and then the big building there. So if you're going to be a national mall cop, which is what these guys are, um, they have exactly they should have Paul Blart type authority. They should have a segue and they should be thought of in the same way. They should have to wear a, a helmet to work, a little flashy helmet. That's made for a bicycle, and uh, and then let that could sustain a fire extinguisher blow to the head because we don't want them dying. Well, you don't want them hitting the back riot, of the neck. Right? It turns out if you get hit behind that space or you get hit with a baton the way Steve has shown us, then that might be problematic. But yeah, I, I just don't understand why this is not an executive agency, and it, it it points out the problems when we start crossing the streams of the Article One, Two, and Three powers of the United States Constitution. There's a reason why we have an explicit executive, uh, a judiciary, and a legislature. Not in that order, obviously. But those three powers are meant to be separated on purpose. And that's what we see a failure of, I think, in this letter. And then also the fact that somebody takes it upon themselves to just like represent their whole agency is kind of kind of ballsy. And they're they're also violating state autonomy too, because the Capitol Police are setting up resident agencies. They're they're putting one in Florida because they thought that the the insurrection of January sixth was so bad and Florida had the most suspects that they were gonna actually create a building in a a headquarters in Florida to then have people assigned to Florida to investigate. Yes, indeed. I'm going to have you adjust your pop guard or pop filter on your mic. It looks like it has snuck up on you and it is, uh, it's choked up in a way that looks sort of suggested. Correct. We're not trying to do that sort of thing in this, uh, on this show. All right. Um, been, <laughs> been kind of an interesting thing. I want to, I want to cover down on a different topic. We're going to just move directly forward. Always funny when, uh, when you, do an interview and then you make the news and somebody writes an aggregate of the interview. I know you've had this experience. Um, we just Fox did an news. Yeah. We just did an interview with, uh, with, um, Don jr. And folks, if you didn't see that, it was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed talking to Don jr. And then revolver ended up carrying it. And I think that what's so interesting is that even though you and I have been out here banging the drum on this and it may be kind of old news, for our our live chat folks anybody who's listening to this for the first time if you're just joining the kyle seraphin show um this is something that we've been beating the drum on and we can't actually say it enough so i want to cover down on the, the thoughts on this in just a sec but uh moreover if you guys are listening on rumble.com slash kyle seraphin give us a thumbs up a like that is how we organically move up in the charts that's how we ended up as the number one podcast on the live list yesterday um, and even in the uh, the live streams that were recorded, we were we were listed as number one for a little bit. So that's pretty cool. We do appreciate you guys doing that. So this Don Jr. interview, you guys can find it on Rumble. It's his uh, Rumble page. Go to just type in Donald Trump Jr. on Rumble, and you will find the one. It was uh, episode either 89 or 90. Uh, mine is directly after Dinesh D'Souza, so I guess I'm coming up in the world. That's pretty cool. And then uh, Revolver, you want to throw the article back up there one time? I'm going to read a little bit of it because this is something that uh, Darren Beatty over at Revolver has focused in on. The FBI whistleblower explained the dark circular model being used against J6 prisoners. Um, to be specific, I actually think that it's not just J6 prisoners. It's all people in America that may be conservative have the potential of finding themselves at the root of an intelligence investigation. And the difference between those two, as you just alluded to, Steve, is a big deal. The fact that criminal investigations are linear. I'm actually going to have you lay out your belief on, on the linear nature of a criminal investigation, and I'll cover down on the intelligence since you, you had a lot more criminal work than I did, and I had more intelligence work than you did. So maybe you could just go and talk about that, and we'll, we'll, we'll lay this out for our audience as well as uh, as uh, Revolver's audience. So, so linearly, a, a crime occurs, and then an investigation ensues, and whatever that requires, you're going to gather evidence, you're going to interview people, get all the documentation, you write your reports, you bring it to a prosecutor, they can accept or decline it, and then we go to trial, and the person has their day in court. The process at that point is basically complete from the government standpoint, and to me, the most important part is at the end of that, there's an end. It's case closed. There's actually a case-closing electronic communication that you put into your case file, and then it just disappears. And it goes into the to the cloud, to the ether, and you never consider that case again unless you're going to be reopening an investigation that you closed because you didn't prosecute it. But for all intents and purposes, the line has a beginning and an end. That's it. Now, the intelligence investigation is totally different 
Because in the, in the case of the prosecution that Steve is talking about, there is an end goal. That end goal is either acquittal, a plea deal, or a conviction. Those are the three possible outcomes that happen from that little branch, that linear branch that comes out from the original crime. But there's no allegation of a crime in an intelligence investigation, and that's hence the circular, the dark circles that, that kind of spin off. I like to imagine imagine a, a waterfall coming down, folks, and it hits the water and it starts making all those swirling eddies. That's an intelligence investigation. Something dumps in, it starts spinning, and all these things spin off into their own circles. So the fact that Steve Friend and I talk means they're going to investigate Kyle Serafin. Now they're going to start talking to Steve. They realize that Ryan is the producer in the background, even though we don't see his face right now. So what do they do? They start investigating Ryan Matta, and they start getting all the information and they look at us as though we are criminal subjects, but they use tools that are not admissible in court. And when you do that, you are creating all these information only investigations. We are now investigating persons and not crimes. And eventually, should you happen to uncover a crime, whether it's related to the topic or not, then they are going to fulfill their other duty, which is as a law enforcement, they will begin that linear path and construct the investigation. And what I told Don Jr. that I think is so upsetting to most people probably the worst part of it, is that once you begin doing that investigation, you already know where all the bodies are buried. You already know where all the illicit material is that you've gotten through national security means. This is not what the Patriot Act was designed to do. But once you do, you're going to write a, a warrant up and you're going to be correct whether your warrant is very thin on probable cause or not. Do you want to talk about the deference that a judge shows you as an FBI agent, Steve? Because I know that is a thing. Like We've read some pretty awful arrest and, uh, and search warrant affidavits. They seem light, but as long as they come up with the goods at the end of it, I think the judge is not embarrassed and they sort of just, they just let it happen. Like, why is that? Judges are people just, I mean, they're, <laughs> they might they're, be lazy people. Yeah. And, and they are, they're, they're inundated. You know, you, they, they come in, they're like, Hey, I got 15 minutes. I got a hearing coming up. What do you got for me? And they do the same thing that most people do. I would call up on the phone and say, Hey, I'm special agent, Steve friend with the FBI. And then people would give me their social security number. Because they just, on good faith, say they're the FBI, everything they're doing is for the objective good. These are the most competent. They're premier law enforcement. I assume that they have all the probable cause necessary for them to have drafted this and put it in front of me. And I, I think in eight years, I had one judge ask one question, and it was just not really significant. I was not like nervous about it. I think it was a, a clarification question. How many, and other, how many other, arrest warrants and search warrants do you think you swore out during that time? Ballpark. Oh, uh, hundreds. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting at. And, yes. and only one follow-up question that you can recall. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, the only other time that I could think of the judge saying, well, he's like, we actually said, wow, you have a lot of probable cause here. This is a pretty good warrant. I, mean, I wrote one in New Mexico where I literally had the judge say, I really like the way that you did transcriptions of the of the voice recording that you had. It made I could really hear his voice. All right. In, and that, that, that's out. good because, you know, the judge actually did his due diligence and then just hand it off to that's a, right. A and I, and to, I write with ellipses when there's pauses and I write with, you know, exclamation points when people change their voice and tone. I try to actually mirror the way it sounds like a writer might. Um, I don't do atmospherics and talk about it was a dark and stormy night. And there I was sweating profusely from my left temple as it rolled down, you know, into my beard. I don't say that sort of nonsense, but I do try to paint a picture because I believe that words convey meaning if you do it correctly. So, yeah, there's that. I've never had a follow-up either. I did far less than you, obviously, but uh, it's worth knowing that you know one and you actually remember it pretty specifically. Yes, because it was an unusual case to me. It was actually in, in the Iowa side. I was always in the Nebraska side. So it was even the whole circumstance. I was like, well, maybe the judges in Iowa are a little bit more scrutiny involved. Uh, but yeah, one time in eight years. And then the other thing I'll add to your description about the circular nature of the, the intelligence investigation is it in itself creates the process. It creates this because the process exists, now it's something that you can obstruct. So now that gives another tool in the tool belt of a energetic FBI that wants to then persecute someone so that they can, I don't know, send a couple agents over to interview Mike Flynn on an intelligence investigation. Right. And if you with obstruct the, the intelligence, of getting him to lie, it's not a criminal investigation. But if you are actually obstructing that process, then you suddenly find yourself on the wrong end of it. I don't know if the statute says it has to be a criminal investigation or not, but that is a really interesting kind of. Uh, you know, point that I hadn't considered that they might be using these things as actually like a setup as the perjury trap or as the obstruction trap, which we've 100%. seen. Tra okay. And and they're going to be wide in their interpretation. They're going to go up and say, oh, Kyle Surf, I don't want to have a conversation with you. What color is your shirt? And you say, uh, gray. And they say, well, he was actually really black. Heather, He's lying. It's a Heather Gray. Yeah. <laughs> he lacked specificity. They, uh, ergo, he lacked candor. 
and we're going to come in with a 1001 charge uh, and a search warrant because we want to make sure we have the, sh the shirt. So we're going to ransack his house, come in with the Bearcat at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then what D.C. Circuit judge is going to say, well, that, that that doesn't sound like it's enough probable cause yeah, like for Kyle for Serpin, that guy is a real a-hole. We got a problem with him. They're we're, familiar with their name. Uh, they're familiar with the name, just like Chris Wright. So we're actually going to cover more of that. You didn't, uh, I didn't tell you the segue, but that was a perfect segue. First, let's do a sponsor real quick. Let's say thanks to our friends over at Patriot. At four patriots, rather, fourpatriots.com slash Kyle Serafin. There it is. Um, if I could just remember words and numbers, that's the thing. The number four patriots.com slash Kyle K Y L E. Check out their solar generators right now, guys. If the power goes out, what is your plan? Especially when it's cold out. I just had my neighbor come over and sit at my counter yesterday and let me know that his AC went out. And that is a major issue for us in the modern world. We are some gentle dogs. He works all day outdoors. He wants to come home to something comfortable. You also want to come home to your food not being spoiled. That'd be a big deal. So check out some of these things. They've got a solar go fridge that Ryan is showing you right now on the 12 days of Christmas. You get a special deal off there. Use my promo code KYLE. You can take things on the go with you. Nothing better than a battery charged like self-powered coolers. So are they in direct competition with our friends over at Patriot Coolers? I don't know. Maybe. It's a totally different kind of product. This thing is a machine that keeps things cold for you that charges on a solar battery. Seems like a great idea. Checks out some of their great gear for survival, for RVing, their dual purpose, and then maybe for your kid's birthday party if you're my kind of guy. I'm always looking for a way to use my tools. Sometimes those tools... Um, I'm, I'm stretching a little bit. I overkill it. I'm the guy who's got way more gear than necessary for the for the moment that we're doing it. So check out some of the stuff at 4patriots.com slash Kyle. And uh, before you go, they'll try and sell you a solar generator, as you just saw there. I'm not I'm not mad about that. You don't want to go in a world without power. That Like, literally, they've made entire television shows about what happens if we don't have electricity. Many of you guys have seen this. Um, they are not necessarily well-made, but I can tell you that the fear of human beings in the modern era not having it is very, very real. So, Steve, you set this up perfectly. And I think we're gonna we're gonna show a tweet that I put out, and then I'm actually gonna read the article. So if you you want to throw the uh, the tweet up there, Ryan, the uh, the story of Jags Gagliano. So there it is. I just said retired supervisory agents like uh, like Jimmy Gags, who's a former HRT operator. He was a supervisory special agent in New York and a retired AD, the assistant director of criminal division, Chris Swecker. They're saying the same things. That guys like Gerda Boyle, who had four years, and me, who had six, and you, who had eight and change, like, all of us are saying the same thing. So when the retired guys and uh, and the guys that got kicked out are saying the same things, we're in a real problem. This is uh, Jimmy Gag saying, what I witnessed at the FBI will be the agency's Waterloo. Why does eroded trust in the FBI matter? He wrote this two days ago. I recommended it. it's on Fox News as an op-ed. Just said Americans are losing trust and confidence in the FBI. This directly impacts the national security mission. A staggering 63% view the Bureau negatively, and the reasons are hidden in plain sight. Over the past few years, valid criticisms have been leveled at the partisan decision-making at the upper echelon of the FBI, dating back to 2016 with the Russia-Trump sham investigations, heavy-handed overcharging of Trump campaign surrogates, blatant uneven treatment of right-wing and left-wing protesters and rioters, labeling angry parents at school board meetings as domestic terrorist concerns, and adding big tech suppression uh, with 2020 seems disinterested in the Hunter Biden laptop and so on. The Biden family's obvious influence peddling schemes and the laughably absurd rich Rips, Richmond Division's intelligence product warning of radicalist, traditionalist Catholics. The FBI has been raising eyebrows. That is a, a pretty good category, and we are involved in most, uh, not all, but most of those particular topics. It says many retired agents, to include the author, have long caveated the criticisms of the FBI by maintaining that bias and partial concerns or partiality concerns are related to only certain FBI senior executives. We justifiably lauded the hard work and faithful service of the vast majority of the men and women who comprise the street-level, case-working special agents, but that's becoming exceedingly more difficult. He goes on to basically say that there is not a big difference between them, and a lot of that is because of the FBI's recruitment process, which you and I have covered long for him, Steve. He says there's been a seismic, this is Chris uh, Swecker saying, the a retired AD, so a, a senior executive service guy, saying that there's been a seismic shift in the FBI's culture from Jim Comey and continuing on with Chris Ray, specifically because they're bringing in recruits that are more opinionated, more idealistic, more liberal, highly educated, more Ivy League, and they tend not to follow the facts, but they insert their own ideologies and their own opinions because they've been indoctrinated in places like these schools. And if you're virtuous and highly educated, you think you need to do everyone else's thinking for them. What do you think about that? Has the, have the tables turned now? Is the tide turning, you think? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
when, when I, Me when it comes either. to these retired guys, you know, I, I've been disappointed in some of them because they're just, you know, they're collecting the pension and they don't want to admit the fact that the, the agency that they devoted a quarter of a century to might be evil at this point, you know, and, and, and so they're loath to criticize it. I'm, I'm happy that some of the guys actually are publicly coming out and saying it. Sure. Um, I kind of chuckle with these high ranking former executives because I didn't realize that I probably actually have more investigative experience than a, a former oh, yeah. deputy assistant director. Well, we keep digging so into why their does backgrounds. his word matter more than mine? That's right. We keep digging into their backgrounds. You've got, uh, you know, seven, eight years of actual investigative experience. How You had what? Your last year was at Jacksonville? Not even your last full year. Uh, a little over a year because I got there in June and they walked me out in, in uh, September. So okay, 15 so let's, months. let's call it six, uh, five and a half to six solid years of running more cases than probably almost anybody in the FBI when it comes to criminal matters because that's what Indian country is. Oh, yeah. Seven years in Indian country and yeah, and a year and a half in child porn, eight and a half years. I mean, of, of actual investigative work the entire time. And you can't and, say that about these executives because most of them no. punch their ticket at six years, which means half a year of academy, then coming out uh, probationary agents for 18 months. By the time they get their feet under them at two years, they're doing four years of investigations. They're hitting tenure and they are rolling out like I was hitting my prime when I was at my Indian country post. I was ready to go. I could handle anything. I knew that if I didn't know the answer, I knew how to find the answer. I had subject matter experts that were friends that I could reach out to. You know, all my friends had been either working drugs or gangs or whatever. I had guys that were like you that were doing other Indian residents so I could reach out and do that game. I didn't That's have to know the battle. Yeah. Building the Rolodex of That's people it. to call. You and don't have to know the everything. Ponies. The ponies. Yeah, that. And and here's the other aspect to it. And I sort of came up uh, this way of thinking about it because we call it like, oh, you're going to climb the ladder, right? Mm -hmm. It's not really a ladder. It's more of a pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you ascend it, it the, your circle is smaller and smaller of your, of your peers within the executive level. And as a result of that, you have a small collection of people at the upper echelons that are politically captured. And then the other thing they're able to do is as you go down to the bottom of the period where pyramid where it's really widespread out, you can compartmentalize responsibilities to the point where even if you're not ideologically aligned with the top of the pyramid, you are, your responsibilities are so small that you can maybe rationalize your actions and not take a step back and look at the whole. So for, for me, when they were saying, hey, we're sending SWAT to this guy's house, even though he, he was going to cooperate with us, they said, Steve, you're just driving him. You're, he's going to get arrested. You're just going to drive it's him. It's just to court. a minor. It's just minor complicity in evil. You're not really the guy who's going to be pulling the trigger at the end of the gun at the death. You're not camp. dropping the Zyklon B in the chamber. You're, you're just putting them on the train. You're just making sure they get on the train and where they're going. Yeah, you're just moving them to it. Um, of of perfect sort of segue to that. We've got a video here. This is a reflection. Um, I've been seeing this pop back up. I don't know if James O'Keefe is lacking new material or if he's just uh, recycling it because it's relevant. Both are fine with me. I don't really care. But uh, this video, number one, kind of a look back uh, from some of the stuff that happened just as you and I were getting public in 2022. Here's a little video from James O'Keefe. So if you'll play video number one, Ryan. So what you're saying is the paycheck and the pension leads to the Holocaust. There's a reason why all FBI Academy graduates have spent a day at the Martin Luther King Memorial, because they're acknowledging this is the penance, that this penance that the future is doing for the past. And in the same way, we all have to go and attend the Holocaust Museum, spend a whole day at the Holocaust Museum with a specific program for law enforcement. But the whole idea that tyranny happens incrementally, and it happens by a bunch of people agreeing to small injustices over and over, simply to keep their paycheck and their pension. You take the pension and the paycheck and you'll walk it to whatever that darkest end is. And I don't have a problem with people who believe that they're doing the right thing. I have a problem with people who are doing the wrong thing and they know it. What is your message to the people in the FBI watching this? Because there will be a, a considerable amount of people that watch this and many of them in the FBI. What's your message to those people? You took an oath, you gotta live it. You're the only one who's going to answer for it. But if something is being done and it's wrong, it's your job. It's literally your job. It's within your job description to stop. So it's it's so funny to me, Steve, and maybe not funny, but more quirky, that every single person that I've talked to in the whistleblower space has honed in on that particular training, that particular um, moment where they teach you that stuff at the Holocaust Memorial Museum. That That's like... It's, it's so impactful. I listened to an interview with Garrett O'Boyle yesterday on Fargo local radio, and he said the exact same thing. And I knew that was the case because all of the whistleblowers that I was able to gather in my little group, which you were unfortunately excluded from um, not by no fault of your own, you were just out there in the wind on your own and you made the same decisions for the same reasons. And we all saw the same problem that if you keep saying yes, when you should be saying no, then you lead yourself to be part of the thing that we were literally trained that you're not supposed to do. 
I mean, you hate using the word literally, but like the training, it happens every single academy class. You can't do this thing. They tell you that, and then they just go on and freaking ignore it. They do, and I don't know if it's a chicken and the egg sort of conversation. Did that trip impact us because we actually were the few people of integrity who got through the vetting process that we slipped through the cracks? Or did that actually impact us? I, I don't know one way or another. But in other the words, fact were, that we've were we all predisposed to know that? Yeah. Independently, though, we all came to that conclusion and we all specifically cited it. So it did actually leave a mark on our our, our mental state when we ana analyzed what was going on. And parenthetically, when I did my security division interview, the SECD interview, and I walked out, my lawyer laughed at me and he said, you know, I think your one contribution to the FBI is going to be them canceling the trip to the Holocaust Memorial. <laughs> well, between you you doing your interview at SECD and the fact that I wrote a letter to the uh, deputy assistant director of human resources that said you should, you know, basically consider yourself like a Nazi, a good, I called him a good American, which I think is right. amazing. And I said, you're following the same path as the good Germans. And many of those people felt the noose around their neck at Nuremberg. So not, not nearly as many as should have, by the way, that's the other wild thing. You know, the, the real message of the Nuremberg trials is that far less people were held accountable than you'd expect. And that might be the, that might be a failure because everybody is looking for compassion and we're looking to say, well, we just want to hold the upper echelon um, responsible. And the answer should have been actually, we should have hold the lower echelon at the same standard because human beings are human beings and all human life should be the same. If you're going to round up the Jews or the Catholics, which they did, or the gypsies or anything else that they considered undermensch and threw them into the gas chambers, like that's the same, like if you're part of the machine, you're part of the machine, period. And that was the lesson I took from it. If you swear an oath and become a civil servant, the stakes should be higher because we're we're giving you authority that the ordinary lay person does not have. And ergo, if you mess up, th there's higher stakes. It just it's a heavier sentence. It's it's a it's a bigger cross to bear if you raise your hand and swear that oath. And it's a, it's a seriously cross-eyed bear. It really is. Not a cross-eyed mama bear who I see join the chat. So I do like a cross-eyed mama Sarah, bear too. <laughs> so uh <laughs> interestingly enough. That video that we just played right there, that anonymous video that was done, James O'Keefe put out when he was with Project Veritas. Obviously, he's rebranded it with his new uh, company. But that was the video, <laughs> of all things, that they claimed Garrett O'Boyle did and got him jammed up and removed. And we we know it wasn't Garrett O'Boyle, and so did the FBI. At the time, they knew it was not Garrett O'Boyle, which is kind of well, amazing to us. It's obviously not Garrett O'Boyle because there was no scripture quoted. <laughs> the dead giveaway would have been he would have quoted scripture if they had even known yes. Garrett O'Boyle or done a cursory look into the Garrett O'Boyle if they'd ever even talked to him they would have found that out wouldn't they or read That's his so, I had never reasonable thought of combination That's... request that was just scripture littered throughout the entire thing non-stop scripture quoting throughout his entire affidavit stating that he had a reasonable belief that he couldn't uh, he couldn't take the COVID vaccines so fantastic okay so speaking of people who did the right thing for the right reasons we're going to cover down this is kind of a sponsor read for Catholic Vote but also it's kind of a shameless plug for myself and uh, my request to you as watchers of the Kyle Serafin show. Ryan, if you want to pull up the uh, the actual donate Catholic vote. Okay, so here's the deal. I will put this out there again. It's pinned to my Twitter page so you guys can find it. It's the number one tweet that I have poked out there. This is the 2023 Catholic Heroes Tournament. Okay, and uh, I think I'm the only one on here who has a podcast, so I'm cheating a little bit. The uh, the button, if you'll kind of hover over it, Ryan, where you can do the vote now, that's what you would click. And you, what you'll see is it'll give you the opportunity. Can we actually vote? Vote for me. Let's do it. They may tell you you've already voted. Nope. Okay, we're not voting for Greg Abbott, right? Okay, we are voting for Mark Howe, obviously. Uh, we're going to vote for Lila. Get over there. What are you doing? Yeah, Lila Rose. Okay, cool. You can do it again. You can vote two times. Do it again. <laughs> we're throwing some votes down the line here, folks. Mark Howe is our guy. Put two more for Kyle Serafin. No. That's right. Yeah, just keep going. Okay, Lila is our girl. She runs live action. So we're going to do kind of a profile on each one of these individuals, all 16, because everybody here has a noteworthy story. Click on uh, Brian, if you would, the, the competitor from the first bracket. So the first bracket passed without me even knowing. If you click on the person, you'll actually find out their story. I put a call into his restaurant, and I put a call into Xavier University, where Brian is a golf coach. He, he's actually a golf coach at the, um, at the Catholic University at Xavier. Interestingly enough, my best friend in the world that I, I've known for the longest amount of time, who's one of the best human beings I've ever met, went to Xavier, um, also dropped out because he got married and had a child and he started taking care of his kid, which is interesting. He went there on a full scholarship, folks. That's the kind of guy that he is. And uh, one of my absolute sort of stalwart decisions when I was younger was like, I want to be as good a person and as good a dad as my buddy Nathan. Um, here, so here's Brian's story. He's an ordinary Catholic guy. He's an entrepreneur. He owns a restaurant, which was called the uh, Copper Blue. And he put a sign up in there that said he wanted to vote no on issue one. 
which was the so-called Reproductive Freedom Rights Act, or it was called the, uh, you know, the the reproductive, it was essentially a codifying abortion in the into the constitution of the state of Ohio. That's what they were voting on. And he said, I don't want to do that. And some of his staff members walked out and they protested. And rather than cave to his staff, he shut down the restaurant. He just said that he's standing with the unborn and women. And uh, the price was, is that he lost business, he lost money, and he almost lost his entire restaurant. Now, that sounds like they're open. When I called him the other day, they were bustling. And I hope that he got new staff that can accept the fact that the owner might have different political opinions. And if you want to earn money here, that's what you got to do. Um, But good for him. He was a man who stood on principle. So that's the story of Brylan Brian Arlinghouse, and uh, we'll try to get him on, actually, if he wants to come on. I'd love to expose all these guys' stories in a long-form interview because I think you guys will enjoy it. But that is our little our, our feature. I want you guys to go to the, the Twitter page, which we have pinned. That's my biggest following anyway. If you'll click through it and do your votes, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just saying my pick to win it overall is Mark Haupt, who we will have on the show. He is running for Congress. And uh, I like Lila Rose. I think she's a good one. That's going to be a tough bracket for Mark later. And uh, if you want to vote for me, my competition right now is a guy named Trevor Williams. And Trevor Williams is a baseball player who stood up against the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Um, also seems like a pretty good guy. Steve, you have any thoughts on the uh, on the Tournament of Champions for Catholic Hero of the Year? I'm um, <clears throat> I'm very happy that our voting patterns have been the identical so far, just watching you pick those. So that was good. <laughs> so I, I, at least we know we're ideologically aligned. And then as far as your current competition, like good on him. But uh, he didn't give up his paycheck like Kyle Serafin did. So I think this is a this is an easy select. Vote early, vote often. Yeah, yeah. I think you can actually vote every day, which is kind of funny. Um, the people at Catholic Vote sent me an email, and they were giving me a hard time. They're like, oh, it's neck and neck. Sounds like you better promote the pot. You better promote it. And I was like, oh, oh he is, man. He is a New York Met, right? Like, I think he's he's a baseball player it. who makes millions of dollars a year. He kind of has a following. It's bigger than Kyle Serafin's following. But I have a more reactive fan base, folks. So uh, watch yourselves. Uh, anyway, go to the uh, the Catholic Vote link there. I will actually put it in the chat here in just a second because I can. And uh, let's keep moving forward. Let's keep Let's keep pushing this along. Uh, some kind of breaking news that came out for the week. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be indicted for the 91st through the 130th indictment. They're actually going to do a bunch more indictments. I'm just assuming simply because Hunter Biden was invited, indicted. So when you indict Hunter Biden, I think that's when you do more Donald Trump. Is that correct, Steve? Tit for tat, man. We got to make sure that we're having no two-tiered system of justice. There's no two-tiered system. It is simply uh, totally fair. Let's go ahead and bring up this piece from Just the News, John Solomon. So this was recommended by Steve. He said, uh, John Solomon's always pretty fair. I think he is. In fact, he might be too fair in this. The article uh, from Just the News entitled, Joe Biden vowed to crack down on tax cheats. His DOJ just charged his son Hunter as one of them. Uh, sweeping jury indictment, three felony counts, six misdemeanors, all charges against Hunter Biden carrying up to 17 years. We can expect that to carry as much as $1,700 in fines in real life and maybe a, uh, a spanking on the back, but uh, only if it's done by someone who is an underage prostitute. Joe Biden made a crackdown. I probably shouldn't be that flippant and glib about that, but so be it. Uh, Joe Biden made a crackdown on tax cheating millionaires as a centerpiece of his presidency, even securing the funds to hire new IRS agents and auditors. And on Thursday, his Justice Department branded first son Hunter Biden as the quintessential tax cheat. I'm not sure they said that. Um, I think that's pretty editorializing, but so be it. I think it's true. Who chose to underwrite his quote unquote extravagant lifestyle with millions in foreign monies rather than pay his debts? To Uncle Sam. In a sweeping grand jury indictment, they levied three felony counts and six misdemeanors that charge up to 17 years in prison. This is by the special counsel, David Weiss, markedly increasing the legal peril for Hunter Biden while also placing a dark cloud over the president's own political fortunes just weeks before the start of the presidential primary elections and also just before we expect either Gavin Newsom or what's her name? Michael Obama? What? What's her name? Michelle Obama. Big, Big Mike. Mike. My bad. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, what do you think about all this nonsense? Are we going to see more uh, Trump indictments? Probably, probably. I I do think that they just haven't thought this through from the tax end. All Hunter Biden really needs to do is have one of the Democrat donors who's, who's also professionally a professional art appraiser come in, appraise his work really <laughs> high. He can donate it and That's make a charitable smart. donation of his million-dollar Campbell's soup they just threw off onto a canvas, and then the debt will be gone. Solved. No, what he did is he just got a millionaire to pay his bills. That's way easier. Isn't it way easier to make millionaire friends who just think you're so great that they just want to pay your tax liabilities so that you can continue doing like Coke and Blow and hookers in Vegas? 
Isn't that it better? is, it is, okay. to, but it's clearly just they didn't think this out. They needed somebody like producer Phil to actually go through the fine lines of tax law and say, like, this is how you could actually get away with it. And, and my, other, my other thought is the IRS must just not be good at getting rid of whistleblowers. Th that must be it because those guys are still working. Why do you think that is? Just curious. Uh, well, I posted you this morning. I don't know. Do they need a security clearance? I suspect it's they do. But my, my thought is this. We're seeing that the FBI has basically hired a bunch of women to be in charge of things that are weaponizing it. I actually had a, I'm not going to disclose the, the party, but you and I both know this female uh, reached out to me. And there was a tweet that Dan Bongino put out about how people in the conservative sphere could be just as bad or worse when they're inside of our, our own tent. And theoretically, part of our quote unquote movement are you know coming after you and they can be the worst. And uh, my response to him was that crazy chick. Um, I can't remember the movie, but she's like holding up a sign and says, do you want me to kill them? You know, she holds it up outside the window. <laughs> it's from the, the water boy. <laughs> That's right. And so like that is my actual instinct. If, I'm, if somebody attacks Dan, like you, you people uh, in the chat probably are going to know. Um, you might realize this, but um, my loyalty to Dan is based on Dan's loyalty to his word, which I find to be utterly refreshing and unlike most people in the world, let alone the, you know, any, you know, media circuit that he's just, he's just a good person that does the right thing because it's the right thing. And he kept his word to me and to you. So I, I love that. And anyway, like, you know, some, his producer for the radio show, um, Jim Verity would reached out and he was like, he's like, Hey bro, like, be careful. They're watching you. And I'm like, I'm not joking. I had a Sam Elliott, you know, like another GIF on there. Probably, probably not joking. Um, you know, it just depends on what the threat is. If somebody made a threat on Dan's life. Yeah. I'd go to war with him. There's very few people that I could say that that I haven't spent a ton of time around. Obviously, you and Garrett, like, I'll go to war with you guys any day. I think I said that in our first phone call. You know, mm -hmm. you pick the door and I'll go through it with you. I don't even need to know what's on the other end of it. Just tell me we're going. Uh, and I'll just ask you, you know, whose car? Uh, like, uh, what's, the, what's that? The Four Brothers from uh, the, the Mark Wahlberg movie? The Mark Wahlberg movie? Yeah. I kind of feel that way about it. Uh, there's very few people that could just say, like, hey, we need to mount up. And I'm like, hey, is this going to be a deniable operation or is this going to be something where we're going to own it? Because I'm going to change caliber based on that. You That's uh, yeah. We we all basically came to that conclusion where like when we found out that the Democrats had proposed Garrett for some some criminal charges because they said he had lied right. in his like, testimony. We're like, well, we're going to the compound. We're gonna go have an Alamo standoff with Garrett if necessary. Just tell me what what. what uh, caliber that you need me to bring. That's it. Yeah. Do you want me on Overwatch or am I going to be on entry? And uh, let's do this. So that being the case, um, kind of interesting. There it is. See, that, <laughs> is that not the most fun? Is that not the most fun response to somebody saying people are being crappy and uh, and coming at me? I don't know. I just I sort of love it. Um, and and then speaking about the injustices and, and sort of the sort of the weaponization and, and and the fact that we are dealing with a clown world DOJ, we're actually seeing a tiny bit of justice, folks. I do actually see an arc upward that is somewhat uh, reassuring. I want to bring up the story about Doug Mackey. So we're going to read this from Daily Wire real quickly. And uh, and here you go. So Doug Mackey, who many of you guys will recall, he was uh, Ricky Vaughn. 2.0. He was making memes that were mocking Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton voters in the 2016 election. Magically, in 2021, after Joe Biden took over, you've got uh, this story where they went after him. They convicted him in federal court and they sentenced him to prison for memes, for flipping memes, which seems like it would be protected by the First Amendment. Brandon Dre writing here, who's a friend of ours, and uh, I appreciate this is a couple days old, but they've actually halted the sentence. He's not going to have to show up. And what's very interesting to me, and I think is most interesting, uh, Mackey stated on Twitter, uh, this ruling is huge because, because it means the appeals court decided that my appeal presents substantial and debatable issues of law that, if resolved in my favor, will result in my conviction being vacated. In other words, if you guys don't know it, when you do things uh, through at least the federal system, you go into the circuit court, which is where the charges happen. That's where you actually argue the facts of the case. But then you get a chance to appeal, and the appeals court, which is above it, actually argues whether or not the rule and law is that is at play is being properly applied. And what they're saying here is that the law, which in this case I imagine is a First Amendment appeal, um, is not being properly applied. And so that there are substantial and debatable issues of law, they may be in favor. It says like, sure, the jury convicted him based on those facts you guys presented, but those facts were based on law that was misinterpreted. And that's really important stuff. Um, have you? How much have you been following Doug Mackey's case there, Steve? Uh, I have been following it because I actually use his, in the speech that I was giving last week, last week that this was a, a portion that I, I referred to. And I think it's important to note, he didn't actually create the meme that they convicted him for. He shared a meme that wasn't or original to him. Isn't that, which yeah, is which, which is probably beyond the capabilities of the court to even understand. The idea I, I mean, it, it's sort of like the, the case I made with that we should indict 
Jennifer Granholm for telling you to lease a Tesla. And well, she's encouraging you to go into debt and debt correlates to criminality. So ergo, she's encouraging you to do something that would raise your statistical rates of crime in your area. Anybody who retweeted that go get a Tesla uh, should be then a co-conspirator. If, so, if we're going to follow the Doug Mackey. This is logic. why you listen to the Kyle Serafin show, folks. That was the most cerebral argument you've ever heard um, about the problems there. And you're going to have to go back and rewind it. So timestamp it. What is it? About uh, 46 minutes in. <laughs> go and timestamp it. Come back and listen to that argument again made by Steve. Friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was a uh, that was like a Democrat level sort of like cognitive dissonance explanation. But I think it's it also, the same uh, it, PC that they have in Fulton County. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm just just using best practices, I guess. The precedent <laughs> has been set. I'm more. I'm actually really interested to, to the conundrum that the government is for Douglas Mackey because they're in for a penny, in for a dollar, right? They they can't back off. They have to fight it. So Why they're you either going to get in for a whacked pens, by for, appeals court, or they're going to back off and say, "Oh, sorry, we got you convicted erroneously." They, yeah, they, they never really do cut that. Them up against they always double down. But here's the question: uh, the the that particular idiomatic expression is in for a penny, but we we say penny in this country, but it's actually in for a pence, in for a pound. It's a British. Thing. How have you decided it's penny and dollar? What's going on here? Are you just, I, I just, I'm, I'm America, man. I'm America. But r like Russell Brand was saying that we say drop in the bucket, and it's supposed to be drop in the ocean, which I've now altered in my vernacular. I think that that's, that's a more appropriate. I like a drop in the sea, which is a little bit more of a romantic way of saying ocean. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I, I like two syllables. Hard right. syllables, no, no, not so much. I'm not mad at you for it. Let's do, um, so we're talking about arguments and uh, sort of favorability arguments. A lot of the gov uh, the Democrat sort of positions right now are pushing gun control again because there have been some mass shootings this week. So, of course, uh, we've covered it pretty long form on this week's shows. Folks, if you missed those, go back and listen. I want to give you kind of an emotional appeal. There's a pretty good, uh, pretty good video that is circulating here. This came from some testimony in front of one of the hearings or in front of one of the uh, House committees. I think it's worth listening to people who they always claim it's about saving the victims. I don't think that's accurate and I don't think that their solutions work. So let's give a video to a listen. This is a mother of someone who's, who's uh, this child was, was killed in so-called gun violence. That's not really what happens. There's no such thing as gun violence. There's just people who use guns to kill people. And uh, let's go ahead and play this out. I just want you to hear kind of an emotional appeal. If you want to play video number two. First can't describe how hard it is to bury a child. I ache for anyone and all who have done the same. My son's death was a result of a criminal with an evil heart and a justice system failing to hold him accountable for the laws he had already broken. You see, a convicted felon killed my son with an illegally obtained gun. Our gun control lobbyists and politicians claim that their policies will save lives and reduce violence. Well, those policies did not save my son. The laws being discussed are already implemented in cities across this country. We have decades of evidence proving they do not work. St. Louis, New York, Chicago, Washington, Atlanta are gun control utopias and they are plagued with the most violence. 10 more laws, 20 more laws, a thousand more won't make what has already illegal more wrong or stop criminals from committing these crimes. And y'all are delusional if you think it's gonna keep us safe. How about letting me defend myself from evil? I, you don't think that I'm capable and trustworthy to handle a firearm. You don't think that the Second Amendment doesn't apply to people that look like me? Who and you who would call for more gun controls are the same ones that are calling to defund the police. Who is supposed to protect us? We must prepare to be our own first responders to protect ourselves and our loved ones. That is it right there. I mean, that is an impassioned plea from someone who wow. understands. Isn't that strong? That was great. Listen, I, I was fist pumping. You guys couldn't see it in the background, but I'm like, yes, you need to be your own first responder because you're responsible for you. Okay, I want you to know something. So for those of you that are listening to the audio podcast, I don't always call it out there, but I want you to listen to that voice. And if you would just take a second, 
you can you know that was a woman because we're not fools and we know that was a woman's voice. And you know that was a black woman. If you're being honest, you listen, you go, oh yeah, that was a black lady speaking. And she was saying something that was articulate and intelligent and that was specific to her pain and she was giving a message. But it was definitely a black way of saying it. And I want to say that because it's contrasted to what we're about to play. Because when we say that this other woman is a clown and she is a clown, you can tell that both of them are black women. One of them is a serious person that I'm interested in hearing from. And the other one is a woman who was elected to Congress to represent the state of Texas in Dallas. And she is a clown. And it's very disgusting to me. You'll also hear that the topic is, is she's going to actually, uh, she's going to berate the state that she represents, even though she represents only one district of it. I want you to play number four, if you would, in contrast. I didn't know that these were going to be the contrast that I was going to find. I just knew these were two good clips that I wanted to share with you. Let's just do this, this for comparison back to back. Clip number four, if you would, Ryan. In fact, Ms. Perry, I know your organization, the Heritage Foundation, loves Texas. Ooh, they love Texas. They always sending us some nonsense bills um, that somehow set this country on the wrong trajectory. They send them to Texas. They send them to Florida. Every deplorable state that we can think about, they usually come in out of y'all. Despise. Dollar store Cardi B right there uh, with a wig and fake with fake uh, nails. Steve just muted himself. Are you good, Steve? <laughs> you call her dollar store Cardi B. She is. She's trash. <laughs> the, the falsy, the falsy eyelashes. Fake, fake the designer clothes, fake designer thoughts, fake designer personality, and uh just, she's from Texas? She's a it's, fraud. Yeah, she comes from Dallas. She called her own state a deplorable state. Correct. Isn't that awful? I'm Congratulations, just saying, Texas. Don't mess with Texas. I, I I tweeted out that like sometimes the stupid and smallest tweets go the longest ways. I just said this is not a they serious do. person and serious, you know, we're not represented by serious people. And of course, like I don't need any commentary on that. That woman represents herself as a clown, right? And yeah, and she is. She's trying to be uh, she's trying to be on the real housewives of some trashy neighborhood, whatever that is. And she's not interested in being a serious person. She doesn't have a, a serious point or a debate. Ooh, they never did. Ooh, they do this. And then you go and you watch the other lady who's older, wiser, has experienced real loss and grief, who has a legitimate message and is making articulate arguments against something that is useless, which is gun control. She makes the, the clear argument that we always hear, and it, it just coming from a, a different source, the, the, the source that if you, you're going to stereotype, nope, she's, she's going to be a black woman, she's going to be a hardcore Democrat, she's going to be all about gun control. Nope, she made a very articulate, great case that, and it, coming from her, and you, I mean, it's just reality. It's from that source. It has more impact emotionally if you're watching her say it, especially because she has actually experienced the loss. The only thing that I would criticize, and this is not on her, this is just on the messaging entirely, is the the Republicans, the conservatives, the pro uh, pro Second Amendment people always make the case: we need uh, firearms for our, our home defense to keep our family safe. We need, well, we have a tradition of hunting in our family. Nobody ever says what it's really about. And that is, I need this gun because the government has this gun and the government will shoot me in the face if I don't have this gun. And I want that to be articulated just as well. And it's the thing that we've taken as a message out of the Holocaust. Like the places where that doesn't happen is places like America so far, even with the uh, creeping and the insidious police state that we're dealing with, it continues to not be as successful as it would otherwise be. Because somewhere back in the mind of whoever it is, every I mean, you've been a guy on a SWAT team. You've gone through a door. The probability that somebody on the other side of that door has equal weaponry to what you have and has the ability to buy body armor in the same way and potentially even has better experience and tactics should you decide to go after some somebody who spent, you know, 20 years at war with our military. Like there's a real the near peer argument as you were uh, you and I laughed about when we first <laughs> I just met. Just immediately thought of that. You want to the tell only time that they ever presented that was with the Gretchen Whitmer case. But, but tell people what that is so they understand. Yeah, they 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 gave us a, a ops briefing before we went out there, and normally it's the thirty thousand foot view on the case. They show you a, an arrest photo or driving driver's license photo of the guy. They showed us videos of these guys. They had equipment. They had training. The training was legit. Their firearms were every bit as good as ours. And as it came to pass, that was because the FBI provided them the training and the firearms and the equipment and the transportation, all of that. And they described them as near peer. And in that briefing room, it's very locker room uh, environment, as uh, the 2016 Trump campaign would describe it. Uh, it's guys just smoking and joking. And it was, you could hear a pin drop. People were like, oh, this is serious. And it was described to us that we might not win this fight. So we have to be really squared away. 
That's a real possibility. That should give the government the government should constantly have that sense when they are going against citizens to to inflict whatever it is they're doing, even if it's a justifiable force. They should at least know that they are dealing with citizens, free people, not subjects, not servants. And that's a big deal to me. I think that's what keeps things fair and balanced and righteous and and upright is that the the arbitrary use of tyranny at least has the possibility of some serious pushback, particularly in this country. That's not common in other countries. Um, You're not going to see that in Ireland. You're not going to see that in England. They don't have the same tradition of not hunting and fishing. They don't have the same um, tradition of kicking the hell out of the government that was uh, tyrannically overreaching and uh, going after them and said, oh, you want to shoot somebody in the face? You want to kill Crispus addicts? We're going to throw all the tea in the harbor, and also we're going to kick your ass off this continent. So goodbye. Oh, you're going to come back in 1812? We're going to do it again. Both times we almost lost, by the way. And yet didn't. we did, but there's that that machismo. I guess you describe it. It's not really an American term, but it's, at the it's same a frontier time, spirit. Let's call it yes. that, right? Like it's the American spirit of willing to do hard things and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Be yes, willing to be inconvenienced, willing to be uncomfortable. Not a leisure pursuit. We just want to rock that, that we could worship and have our families and play with our guns. Leave us the heck alone. Which is why I think most American men sort of have the fantasy of, I just want to live on a mountain somewhere and just do those things. And Except Steve Friend. Steve Friend wants to live on a warm beach because he doesn't like If cold. we could put the mountain into a tropical climate and not have it be a volcano. It's it's called Hawaii. Yeah, most of those are dormant. <laughs> it until can't they're be not. a volcano. You could live on a volcano. You love that. It would be warm all the time. The heat uh, would come from the ground and from the sun. Uh, perfect for your iguana type. Uh, there's all kinds of lizards. And you stuff have like a that. background in sales. Now I'm starting to really think about it. <laughs> He's thinking, hey, is there, they're, they're communists out there, unfortunately, in Hawaii, unfortunately. For all of our um, Hawaiian listeners, all three of you that wake up um, at whatever it is, 2 a.m. to listen to us. Sorry about that. Um, let me let me uh, add one more piece of serious, then we'll do one more piece of levity. We'll end this thing right now. Um, let's do Missouri versus Biden. Some of you guys are familiar with this case. I'm actually going to be doing a very long form version of this. I've been asked to guest host Dinesh D'Souza's podcast for the end of this year. I'm going to do that. We're going to do a coverage of this with my friend Tracy Beans. But let's just listen to the absurdity of our federal government. These are not serious people. Again, you heard a member of Congress. Now you're going to hear the top advocate, the assistant attorney general for the Civil Rights Division, which is theoretically in the business of policing violations of civil rights by other government entities. That's their job. And other people, obviously. Um, She doesn't even know what Missouri v. Biden is. So let's just hear this real quick. I think Dan Bishop is shocked by this answer. This is going to be video number five. Missouri versus Biden case uh, in the district court. The court explained, quote, if the allegations made by the plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack on free speech in United States history. Close quote. Court went on to find that the plaintiffs were reasonably likely to succeed on the merits at trial, entered a preliminary injunction. The Fifth Circuit has affirmed. Supreme Court has taken jurisdiction of the case. Of course, that's all civil litigation. Is any criminal investigation or prosecution of the persons responsible for that activity in the FBI, CISA, and at the White House and their co-conspirators underway in the Civil Rights Division? Um, Congressman, I'm, I'm not... Uh, familiar with this litigation, but happy to bring your question back. Thank you. So let me just make sure I understand that. You are not aware of the Missouri versus Biden litigation that is currently being uh, taken up by the United States Supreme Court. Is that correct? Uh, Unfortunately, I'm I'm not, Congressman. Assuming not, uh, assuming that you're not aware of that, um, what, what reason would there be that the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department's leader is unaware of what a United States District Court has described as the most massive attack on free speech in the United States history? Um, if, if, if you could share more it, it, of the it, facts uh, that could be helpful, Congressman. Otherwise, you're just, you just don't know. Is that correct? That, that's correct. Unfortunately, I'm, this does not appear to be a case that I'm familiar with. Does not appear to be a case that I'm familiar with. Steve Friend, what are the two possibilities that she's not familiar with this? There's like basically two that Garrett laid out the other day. Uh, willful ignorance. Okay. Or So incompetence, I would call that. Yeah. Or, yeah, incompetence or stupidity. I think which or I guess she's is incompetence or. Or she's lying. Yeah, she's lying. But I mean, I believe her. You do? thousand percent believe her. Because yeah, she's a communist. Too. Communist. And the communists will use the levers of power, the DOJ, 
to reward their friends and punish their enemies. And this is not going to cross this this is not going to come across her desk on the t on the ticker. She's not going to have that uh, conveyor belt with that particular mm -hmm. case. The thing is is that she should have her emails subpoenaed, not FOIAed, but subpoenaed by this committee and they should determine that she doesn't know it. And if she's incompetent enough not to know about the single biggest violation of American free speech civil liberties in history, then she should lose her job and never be hired again as an attorney for incompetence. And if she lied and she was familiar with this and she perjured herself, then she should go to jail. Yes. How do you feel about that? She should go to jail for perjury or she should be prosecuted for violating civil rights. Because conspiracy, conspiracy to, yes. uh, to uh, violate liberties. Oh, kind of like uh, Douglas Mackey. Yeah, I mean, this this no different than what so I was saying with up. the Josh Hawley in, in, statement that he made to Christopher Ray. He was saying, "Have you fired anyone?" I was like, "Have you prosecuted anyone?" That's a that's a civil rights violation. That's a color of law violation. Yeah. Anyone associated with that document should be prosecuted. Color of law means that you represent an authority that you don't have, and you do so under your official capacity as a government employee. I agree with you. Color of law, like I said, we sew it all up. We're sewing these things all together. If you guys are not watching, I'm doing the sewing thing on our, I don't know what the sewing thing looks like. My daughters are better at that. Um, I got one thing to take you guys into the weekend with a little bit of fun. I hate to be a downer and let you know that our federal government is entirely corrupt and stupidity and all your neighbors are too, because you're not. You have neighbors that are brilliant and funny, and some of them are not even people that would otherwise necessarily agree with you, but they are pot smokers with great thoughts. This guy, I think his name, his um, his handle on, on uh, TikTok is like smoking and thinking something to that effect. I got the impression that he's vaping maybe something with marijuana in it. I don't care. This is brilliant. Steve, I'll get a cold reaction from you in this. You may have already seen it. Let's go ahead and run our final video of the day, folks, and we will close it out with this. This is going to be, uh, and this video, hold on, now that I've teed it up. This video is going to be brought to you by the uh, O'Boyle Family Sweatshop, the-dispendables.com, of which I am wearing the Night Ops PT shirt. We're going to get some of those for Dan Bongino's producer who sent me a picture of himself at the gym yesterday. Kind of amusing and interesting. Uh, go to the-suspendables.com the-suspendables.com. Use promo code Kyle again. Always easy. You save yourself a couple bucks. You can keep the sweatshop burning. There it is. There's the website. There's the logo. You know you've arrived at the right one if you put a dash between the and suspendables. O'Boyle is out of town, but uh, we'll keep those going. Okay. Brought to you by the O'Boyle family sweatshop is this moment of levity. They used to do the moment of Zen on Comedy Central where they would show the guy getting his head squashed. This is a moment of levity going into the weekend. Play video number three. Video number three. My pronouns aren't preferred. They are mandatory. Okay, how the fuck am I supposed to know when I'm only meeting someone on the go and I'm not allowed to guess by how they look or how they dress or by what they got that's going on below? See, on this topic, I'm a little gray. When meeting someone new, what do I say? Because if I have to start our talk asking if you have a cock, then you're not my kind of person anyway. And... Just one more little thing before I'm gone. Respect is earned. It's not demanded in a song. If you want to be a she or a they is or a Z, good for you, but you can't make me play along. Steve, what do you think? I think he needs to be a kindergarten teacher. That I would much rather have my child go to his class than that person that preceded him i'd rather have a guy who day drinks on the subway and uses the word cock appropriately like that guy just did to explain how gender works than have that weird nose ring tranny person go do whatever the hell we just saw with the clap clap say my pronouns and they're mandatory by the way they're only mandatory if you can make them mandatory which again that's why we have the second amendment come come enforce your pronouns please yeah yeah come and take my pronouns exactly i i mean Good on him. I think he would he would be an excellent nursery school teacher. He would definitely have the nice rhyme section. Have everybody sit crisscross cool applesauce. Can, can he can he vape while he's talking to? <laughs> hey man, it's, we're in a, we're an era of moral decline, so our our thresholds are lower than they would otherwise be. Like when we were yeah, kids. I mean, look, it's it's first things here. That's like number six hundred sixty six on my list of concerns at school. <laughs> it's so low on the on this thing. There's just no reason to worry about it. Anyway, folks, if you want to see where that video is, if you want your own copy of it, you want to share it, I actually put it in my Twitter timeline. I retweeted a guy whose name is Tim on point. He's a former Navy SEAL. And his comment on that was, you magnificent bastard, which made me smile. And then I went and watched it and it made me smile even more. And then I've even listened to that while I was in the shower because I was taking a shower listening, like, you know, cleaning my hair along with it. It's a great rhyme. 
I think uh, it's pretty fun. Sometimes you need to fight fire with fire or nursery rhymes with nursery rhymes. So there it is. Steve Friend, tell people what you got going on and where they can follow you. Uh, are you going to be doing tomorrow? Are you doing a podcast tomorrow? Oh, we're doing a podcast tomorrow. American Radicals podcast on Rumble, 12 noon. Be there. We're going to be talking about our addiction to comfort. And uh, I, we're going to be doing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays at noon. So I encourage everybody to do that. The Amrad Pod. You can follow me on social at Real Steve Friend on X at Real underscore Steve Friend on True Social. Kaboom! And your book is still for sale. People can stocking stuff it. You can still grab it. It's still on Amazon. They have all the remaining books that are in print. How many do they have out there? You think enough? Yeah, there's enough. So for now. Yeah. All right, folks, order them out. Uh, make, them, make them do another print of it. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Steve Friend. Really appreciate yeah. it, buddy. Good seeing you. It was nice talking to you again. Uh, folks, check out the Amrad Pod. That's uh, rumble.com slash A-M-R-A-D-P-O-D, Amrad Pod. You can find that tomorrow. They're going to start uploading it to all the places where they have audio. So if you're listening to us on any of the Apple or the Spotify, the iHeartRadio, and so on, you'll be able to find the same things there. Let's do uh, Rumble Rants first. We're really grateful for all of you guys. I saw a couple of them kind of t- uh, tickling through the through the live chat. So Ryan, if you want to throw some of them up, Ryan's got to go find him now. Cup of Joe said, liberals blaming hammers, a tool, a vehicle for a person's crime is really stupid. Dan Bongino is correct. Liberals' arguments are really dumb. Or you could go with what Reagan said, which is to say that uh, it's not that they don't know anything. It's that what they know is just not so. Uh, that's a maybe a more nice Reagan way to do it. Tack Penis with a uh, with a comment on, do the government stormtrooper agencies realize that the deplorables have a large number of individuals who just spent two decades learning guerrilla warfare? Do they indeed? I don't know, but they should. There are an awful lot of boot boot uh, on the ground and door kicking types and people that have done very uncomfortable things professionally on purpose. Check that out. And uh, Tack P also really liked my dollar store Cardi B, although he called her dollar store Carnegie, which is even funnier in some ways. <laughs> Can't get mad about that. Anything else we need to cover down on? We can go to a five-star review. One more just coming one, up. One, one okay, more coming up. A couple more. Our buddy Eric Jason, who you can follow at Eric Jason, J-A-S- O-N-J-A-S-O-N. There's no E in there. Uh, Eric Jason, you can find him on True Social. He runs our Suspendables group there. It said smash the like button. Do not comply. God wins. Hold the room down while I'm gone. I'm going to work. I, I love Eric. Eric comes in here like it's his job, and he gets people whipped up. If you guys, uh, somebody said it on, on Twitter earlier. They said uh, you, you come for the show, but you stay for the chat. If you haven't joined our live chat on Rumble, you're missing out on a really great uh, fun thing. The stuff that I see that runs in there is equally funny and uh, and great commentary as well. And Chad Zodi with the last one saying, suspendables have all the candor. Yeah, of course. That's why we don't have a job. <laughs> That's why we don't work at the FBI anymore. <laughs> the candor is what gets you kicked out. If you tell them the truth, you're done. All right, let's do a five-star review from, uh, from Apple, folks. We really do appreciate all of you guys doing these things. We've cleared the 525. I think we picked up five or six yesterday. Um, some of the shows that have been around for, for years literally don't have as many as we do clearing this number. So let's check this guy out. This one says, uh, this is coming from Lee T. Francis, November 28th. Keep the faith. I've only recently discovered this podcast. I think it's one of the most outstanding and honest shows in this space. Because uh, it's a podcast, because of this podcast, I found patriots like Steve Friend and Garrett O'Boyle. His show is one of the few must-watch shows that I found. God bless and thank you for your work. Well, I really do appreciate it. That's really thoughtful. I'm glad that we are exposing people like Steve to you, like Garrett to you, um, some of my great people that I've seen in my life, and uh, and I'm glad you guys get to see them too. I always get a comment after I do one with Garrett O'Boyle. My dad always says he loves them. So, um, that's it. I'm really grateful for Steve joining me. I'm grateful for you joining me. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I hope you're safe. I hope you're reflective. I hope you have a prayerful day and uh, that uh, we will see you again on Monday morning for another Kyle Seraphin show. Be safe out there, folks. It's getting weird and you guys know it. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin show streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social and Instagram at Kyle Seraphin.